0: Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Football Digest Women's World Cup football show. Um, I am joined once again by Megan and Beth. Good morning, Megan. How are you? Yeah, I'm
2: good. I'm tired, but I'm good. Waking up early to watch all the football. Gearing up for tomorrow's 2am or two job, so yeah. I'm excited. It is
1: quite nice though, isn't it? To wake up and have football. I've seen quite a few tweets of people saying oh my god, isn't this really nice? Cause obviously we're in the gap of the, the WSL season. It's quite a big gap as well. It's way, way more, much more of a gap than the, the men's game. And it's quite nice just having this nice little wake up in the in the morning with our Cup of, cup of tea and coffee with breakfast. Um, morning and hello and afternoon if you're on the other side of the world as well. Um, and hello, Beth, how are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Obviously, just uh, just come off that, that Spain and, and Zambia game, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later on, a little bit of VAR, VAR confusion to, to spice up the morning. So, um, yeah, that's no, always, always a good way to kickstart the day, isn't it? I feel like no
1: matter what time of day it is, no matter whether it's the women's or the men's game, whether it's morning, noon or night, we're all going to have VAR controversy and confusion to to um, to go over. Um, so, yeah, just a hello to everybody that's watching live right now. And um, If you do have any questions or comments or keeping it nice, um, then please pop them in the comments um, and we'll answer any questions if you do have any as well or we'll try to. Um, so, obviously, we are two days away from England's next game. We face Denmark. It's a 9.30 a.m. UK time kickoff. So, just going to give you a little brief overview of who Denmark are and go through a bit of their squad. Um, so, Denmark, they, I think they're probably one of our fiercest competitions in, in, in the group stages. I think we briefly spoke about that last time. Um, they're 13th ranked with FIFA and they are joint top with England of Group D as well. And um, they did win one nil against China. So it's exactly the same scoreline as ours against Haiti. Um, however, they have got some incredible players in their squad. Um, Beth, I'm going to, I'm going to get you to lead on this one. Cause they, you, you're obviously our Merseyside writer. For those that don't know, um, you cover Liverpool and Everton women during the WSL season. So I just want to ask you, kind of, if you can give a bit of
0: a lowdown because there are a hell of a lot of Everton players in this squad, isn't there? They are, yeah. So it's always like Everton feels at the moment a little bit like Denmark light. There's like, you know, there is a there is a real sort of not just Danish actually, but a real Scandinavian contingent um, at Everton. Obviously, Everton managed by a Dane themselves, in Brian Sorensen, and then um, and yeah, a lot of really really quality players, and and you know, across that that Denmark squad and there's a a lot of players who play in the WSL so you know the England team will probably be familiar with a lot of them Um, and I think as we sort of touched on a little bit the other day I think it'll be a very different type of game to Haiti whereas Haiti was the sort of a more um, like counter-attacking style Um, and sort of almost a little little bit more intense and end-to-end and and, and fast-paced I don't think the Denmark game will be like that as much um of course Denmark will have watched that game and will have analyzed that and may feel that that is the best way to hurt England is to sort of soak up the pressure and and hit them on the counter attack but they have a lot of players who are you know, very technical players and um, players who can can really play through through midfield um you knowresabecca who's the um who's just left Everton, actually this summer is a, is a phenomenal defender um so you know she'll be you would imagine she will be starting. Catherine Bay as well. Um, Karen Homeguard. I don't think she started that game the other day. But again, a top a top midfielder. Um, and then obviously, a sort of star star player, I guess, is is Peniel Harder, isn't it? From um, from Chelsea, um, who's just gone to to Bayern Munich this summer. Um, and she's a threat for for absolutely, you know, any any opposition. She's such a phenomenal talent. Obviously, injuries has, has hampered her um, a little bit last season, but but such a such a threat. Um, and so Denmark will be hoping to get her on the ball as much as possible. But they do—they have such they have such a wealth of, of talent. They've got Catherine Cole from from Arsenal as well, who is um, again excellent. Nico Sorensen, who um, who plays for Everton, and it's you know on a personal level, it's great to see her at the World Cup. She picked up an ACL injury. She was sidelined for 14 months with that, and and that sort of encompassed the Euros last summer. So for her to now be back and be playing on 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 the World Cup stage is is great to see. Um, on a personal note. But yeah, there's, there's so, so much quality within that Denmark squad um, and it sort of remains to be seen whether sort of having that familiarity with a lot of players, with them playing in the WSL, is, is a help or a hindrance going into this England
1: game. Megan, I want to um, pick up with you on that one actually, and it's something that I was going to ask is do you think it'll be a help knowing what these players can play like, knowing that a lot of our players, the England squad, have played with with them as well and have definitely against them what, what do you think, whether that will, will help England or not?
2: I mean, I think England have to go against teams that they know quite a lot of. Like most of these players, they're going to be familiar with their game. Um, I think for, for Denmark's case, I think it's going to help them in the same way it helps England. Like a lot of these players play together on the WSL stage and you can see that chemistry when it works. You know, there's a reason why Jess Carter's playing with Millie Bright in the back line. It's because that chemistry is already established. So I think in a way it's going to help England, but in the same way it's going to help Denmark. They know how each other plays. They maybe know that, oh, this person's going to go down the right side. I know for a fact they're not actually going to want to cut in on the left. They're going to want to keep going on the right. Those little things. But at the same time, players are smart. They're going to know that other players know their habits. So they might try to adjust it. So I'm exce- I'm kind of excited for this game. I'm You know, it's the, probably the two teams that we thought were, you know, in terms of caliber, were the best teams in this group. So I think it'll be really good. But I'm also expecting these players to maybe adjust their game slightly maybe to act as more of a surprise element to the players that might already know might already know them pretty well
1: yeah and actually just on Peniel Harder as well at the end of last season for Chelsea she was absolutely phenomenal um obviously she was injured for for a lot of the bulk of the season and Chelsea really missed her and you could see that I'm so excited to see these players, Beth, exactly like you said, these players that have suffered these big injuries and that are coming back on the world stage, the international stage, and they're fully fit for it. I mean, we've just seen it with Putellas. Oh my goodness. She is back. Like, I think Spain really, really missed her. Like you said, we'll we'll go back on onto that that Spain-Zambia game. But I I think it's going to make this tournament even more exciting seeing these players come back after being out injured for so long to show what they can do. It's, we've said this time and time again, it's the biggest ever tournament and its I, I think it's proven to be the, the most exciting tournament as well. We're seeing some really incredible play. Um, just on England then, <laughs> we have so many debates to go through on who should start in what position and where and I think a lot of people are going to expect us to have these debates, but why not? You know, we have no idea who is going to work best where. I think it's safe to say that they are still gelling without Leah Williamson on that back line. Um, Meg, I want to start with you just on that that Carter and, and Bright partnership that we've seen that works so well at Chelsea. Who do you think is is going to come in um, on on that back line and start on
2: Friday? Um, well, if I'm Serena Viegman and I've I've got Serena Viegman's hat on, I I don't think she's going to change it. I she you know she didn't change anything at the Euros. She's not one to really rotate her squads just sort of on a whim. Um, maybe she already had a plan in which she was maybe going to use the group stages as kind of a an experimental time to see what was going to gel right and what was going to click right. So you might actually see Alex Greenwood come in and and her bring out, you know, maybe Neve Charles or someone out on the left. I personally don't see that happening. I think she's going to stick with Jess Gardner and Millie Bright, but I will happily, happily be wrong about that. And I will, like, be the first one to admit that Serena Vigman knows far better than I do. So, like,
1: we'll all admit that Serena Vigman knows better than all of us. Um, she, you know... She's she's proven it, Beth. What do you think on on that one? Are you in agreement with Megan there? Yeah,
0: I, th- I think obviously one of the, the challenges coming into this tournament is that we haven't had a backline that have played together consistently and have had the chance to gel. And I guess the only opportunity they're going to get to do that is in this, you know, in these next few games. You don't want to be getting to to the rounds of sixteen, to the quarterfinals against some of the really really top teams in this competition, and not having a settled back four. So I do think, um, considering Jess Carter did actually have a, a pretty good game mm-hmm. against. Um, Haiti, I do think Serena will probably stick with with that back four. I think the only change you could sort of foresee her making would be, you know, Alex Greenwell coming into the centre and and Eve Charles going out to, to the left. And um, I think it's it's interesting. I know sometimes you, you shouldn't really read too much into shirt numbers, but Eve Charles, I believe, has, has got the number three shirt, which obviously you would typically, you know, take to to think that would belong to someone who would be featuring pretty regularly in the starting eleven. Um so yeah, that that was sort of one thing coming into the tournament I did wonder whether Neve Charles will be entrusted with that sort of left back role um, so it will be interesting to see if, if she gets deployed there or all throughout the tournament but yeah I think that the only way England are going to progress you know deep into, into the last stages is, is if they have a settled back four and, and the only way of, of doing that is sort of playing into a rhythm and, and and getting the chance to gel on the pitch yeah definitely and let, let's just talk about Lauren James because
1: I, I think kind of had a feeling that Serena wouldn't start her, but I do think she deserves the start. She obviously came on and she does she does change the game. We've seen it again. We've seen it in at domestic level. But at England level, I think now Serena should actually take that chance and and start on Friday. Um Megan, you I think you love Lauren James and, and watching her play from from what you what we the conversations that we've had before. Talk to me about what you love more about her. And, you know, I have
2: a feeling that you might say that you think Serena should start her as well. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who watched the game um, against Haiti would say Lauren James deserves to start um, just in the lead up to the way that she does. And I think it's her unpredictability. You know, Lauren James has said numerous times that she's a player who likes to play kind of off the cuff and just sort of, you know, whatever sort of whim takes her over, she's going to go with that. And you know, sometimes that's a scary type of attribute to have with a player, you know, it's sort of like, okay, well, we can't really control what she's going to do, but you need those kind of players in this team. And Ella Toon for all, for how good she is, I don't think that she was being the creator that England necessarily needed to get through Haiti. And when Lauren James came on, like she makes stuff happen. That's just the way that she does. She's fearless. She runs at players, she'll attack. And then she's really quick to dish out and like I think sometimes people can say, well, her passing's not really great or whatever. Sometimes she can be a little sloppy. But I think if you start her, you're going to have that rhythm. You're going to get that gelling and you're going to see her really grow into a game. And when she comes in on the 70th minute, she doesn't really have time to grow into a game. So I do think it's sometimes a hindrance with her. Defense is obviously the place where she is pretty like people do tend to criticize her. And I think that's where Serena Williams looking back at it and thinking, you've got to get back. You've got to defend, especially because As we've seen with Spain, as we see with England, all the top sides, they're getting caught out on the break in those transitions. And while Denmark potentially might not play that way, they might play that way. They might have looked at that Haiti game and gone, we're going to adjust and we're going to play. So if James wants to start, she's got to make sure defensively that she's there. But I think she's more than capable of doing it. I think it's just kind of an easy stick for people to hit her with. But, you know, I've seen her play for Chelsea and it's not that she doesn't run or doesn't truck back at all. She does. So... I, I think it's kind of unfair to maybe label her as like a non-defensive player because she definitely has attributes where she does do that. Yeah, I was going to
1: say she definitely has that that versatility. Um, Beth, when when you've seen her play in the WSL, what of what of your thoughts? Do you think she should be that regular starter for for the England and the England squad?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I think obviously she's only young, isn't she? And and in terms of major tournaments, not as experienced as, as some of her teammates. And I think you know that's perhaps. A reason as well why she hasn't hasn't always been at the forefront of Serena Biegler's plans. You know, we know that Serena likes to go with players that are tried and trusted and that she knows can can really perform and, and deal with the pressure on the on the biggest stage. Um, so I do think that's maybe a factor as well. I think Lauren James, long term, is the future of this England team. Absolutely. I think she has the potential to be the most sort of technically gifted player we've seen since Kelly Smith. I think she's she's really that talented. Um yeah, I, I would like, I'd like to see a start. Definitely. Um, I think um, I'd be interested to see a start in that number 10 role. And um, I think, and then that's another thing as well. I think whether she starts or not, maybe depends on on where Serena sees her best position. You know, if you're if you're a fullback and you've had, I don't know, 70 minutes, 60 minutes of, of either Lauren, H- Lauren Hempel, Chloe Kelly running at you down the flanks and then Lauren James comes on with the ability to sort of you and, and take you on and cut inside and you know that that's a real threatening proposition however I particularly would would like to see her in the in the number 10 role and I think as Meg said for that sort of position it would be nice to maybe have her in there from the start so she's got a little bit of time to to get a feel for the game bed in and, and be that real creative force and then well, obviously then have Ella and who can come on and do what she did at the Euros and, and be that super sub um, so yeah, she's she's just a joy to watch, isn't she? She's one of those players who, as soon as she gets on the ball, everyone's sort of on the edge of the seat a little bit. And even if something doesn't quite come off, she is capable of the absolute sublime, isn't she? And 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 she's a yeah, she's a real joy to watch and a real talent. Um, and I would like to see her start. I think you know that 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 team the other day against Haiti, I think creatively we we, we looked sort of out of ideas a little bit at times. And and I think Lauren James is someone who can who can help change that so um yeah I would like to see a start on Friday
1: that's actually definitely one of the things that I think we were missing most is is that creativity and that also reminds me of another debate on who would start and obviously it's the one that the other debate that everybody's talking about, probably the main one, is who starts between Russo and Daly. We've talked about it so much; people might be sick of it. But now that we obviously are approaching the Denmark game, we've had a look and we've debriefed the Haiti game. M- my personal opinion, not that I'm Serena, is I think Daly should go in that starting position, um, and I think Russo should should start on the bench. When Daly came on, I don't know about you two, but she just seemed to chase the ball down a lot more, create more of those chances and just be more present, I think. And I think that's something that was really lacking until Daly came on. Um,
2: Megan, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, for me, I'd, I'd start Rachel Daly. Um, I, I think also going into this tournament, there was more of an acceptance of, you know, you didn't have one particular striker that needed to lead the line every single time. England are at, England have like a really cool sort of proposition here where they can rotate their forwards and they can play kind of different styles. You know, Leslie us and Rachel Daly are two very different forwards, two very different players who are going to lead the line. And that should be a positive for England that they can play two very different ways. For me, like keeping the golden boot, Winner on the benches is, is quite surprising, um, especially for how long she was kept on the bench. It's not like it was one half and the other half. It, it was a significant amount of time that she came on the bench and, or she sat on the bench and then came on. And it's not that long a time for her to be able to influence play. But I do think Rachel Daly offers something different. I'm, you know, I like an underdog. So Beth England is kind of like my girl. Like I really do want to see her play. I don't think she will, um, which is like horrifying really when you think about it. But no, I think Rachel Daly deserves to start. Like you said, I think when she came on, um, there was a lot more just kind of oomph about her, if that's the word that I'm going to go with, but especially if we're playing or if England are playing sort of like crossing games, you've got Lauren Hemp and Chloe, Ka- Chloe Kelly who are, you know, phenomenal at what they do. You want Rachel Daly in the box, realistically, like that's who you want at the end of it. Um, I thought Ella Toon and Alessia Russo, for me, like those two, when they combine are really good, but that combination game wasn't on play against Haiti. So I just, you know, we were talking about Jess Carter, and really Bright, Jess Carter showed that she deserves to start regardless of what people think like she did not have a bad game so taking away that starting position isn't exactly fair on her I don't think Alessia Russo did enough to prove her starting spot so why not bring in Rachel Daly because that is exactly why you brought Rachel Daly to this tournament and named her as a striker so for me Rachel Daly starts against Denmark and this is the group stages this is when you start to experiment as much as you possibly can in a World Cup before, like Beth said, you get against, you go against round of 16 in the quarterfinals against teams who will eat you up if you haven't quite figured out what you're gonna be doing. Seeing as we are
1: in the experimental stages, would you I know that you want to start Beth England, but <laughs> should Serena be starting her? That's the question I wanna ask you, Egg, because Yes, she's been training in the camp. Yes, she's been cementing herself in the squad. She's been gelling with all
2: of them. But do you think it would be the right decision to do it? I'd love to be the contrarian who says, absolutely, Beth English is start, But no, I know that that's a silly, silly point to make. She shouldn't, you know, she hasn't started for England in a long, long, long time. But I don't see why not giving her a run, especially when, you know, Goals are, are kind of difficult to come by at the moment. If it gets to a point where England look like they're struggling and, you know, they need someone else in the box, another type of presence, Beth England has proved it. In a Spurs side who were, let's face it, struggling for goals and couldn't fashion anything if their lives depended on it, Beth England goes in there and scores a plethora of goals. She gets into, like, she was amazing that second half of the season. And I don't see why not just giving her a chance but again, that's more like me being kind of emotional and like supporting an underdog rather than having like my journalistic hat on and being like, yeah, this is the objectively correct decision to be making. So no, she shouldn't start. But I really would like to see Beth England on the pitch. Yeah, I do really wanted to get some minutes in. She she did I think she really saved Spurs
1: from a massive relegation battle last season. Um okay then, let's do some score predictions before we just do a sum up of the last few days of the tournament that that we've missed since we did our last podcast. Um, obviously, we do have options up front. Um, whether they will be used, who knows? Um, and we're going to face a really difficult Denmark side. I think it is. I think it's going to be really, really tough for us on Friday. We've we've shown that we can't underestimate. No team can underestimate any of the the underdogs, so to speak, and, and the debut teams in, in this tournament. So, Megan, I'm going to start with you. What do you think will be the score prediction for yourself on Friday?
2: Um, I'm going to go with 2-1. I haven't decided who's going to be the two and who's going to be the one yet, but um, no, I think England will win 2-1. I think they'll edge it. Uh, but I do think Denmark will give them a run for their money. I think s- saying that there's going to be three goals in a game where t- both teams have only scored one narrowly against both their oppositions previously is kind of bold. But yeah, I'll say 2-1 um, England and we'll see what happens. Beth, your turn. If you say like 7-0, I'll be flabbergasted. 5-0. Um, no, I, I was also
0: going to say 2-1. I think England will add it. Um, I think perhaps being... Um, being pushed by sides and, and and say sort of if it was, you know, Denmark equalised and, and that real need to to go and get another goal. I, I don't know if that maybe might take England up an extra gear. I don't know if, if there was an element against Haiti of of them maybe not underestimating their opponent, but I I you know they're not really feeling too much under threat despite the fact that Haiti were excellent. Um so yeah, I'm gonna go for two one. I think just, you know, going back to the whole Russo daily um, England debate and the thing that I, I found really sort of interesting on um, against Haiti was that you would imagine if Alessi Russo is starting a game you would play sort of more through midfield ball into feet you know all of the things that Alessi Russo is so good at and yeah especially in that first half it felt like we were very much playing to Rachel Daly's strengths as Meg said there were crosses coming in from both flanks Chloe Kelly had a decent game um, and you know Alessi Russo isn't that presence really inside the area in the same way that Daly is so um I think that will be interesting and I'm definitely team daily to, to start. Um and yeah, I think I think two one for for Friday, but I do think it might be a little bit of a slog.
1: Well, that that was that was a very cheery note for for your little piece to end on. It's just gonna be a slog. That's it. It's just a slog. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm in agreement. Um I'm actually gonna go for a two-two scoreline. Um I think, you know, we're all evens at the moment, like Megan said. We're a really narrow 1-0 victory each equal in the table. I think it's, you know, hopefully to keep the game exciting and make it less of a slog, um, (laughs) hopefully there will be a few more goals. Um, All 23 players have trained um, earlier on. So at the moment it is late, late into the evening in Sydney. And... Mm -hmm. All of our team—they've been out there. They've been having a chat with with some of the players, and they have confirmed that 23, all of them, have trained, which is really good news. Um, obviously we, there was a slight, a slight injury worry, shall we say, to to Chloe Kelly when she got on the plane with with that that cover on her shin, but all looks good, and it all looks like all 23 are in training and ready for Friday. We've got the pre-match press conference tomorrow um so we will hear more from Serena and hopefully Millie bright as well so um at the time that it is now in the UK for anybody that is down under it's 25 past 11 we're just waiting for the third game of the day Canada versus Republic of Ireland but I want to rewind I want to recap that 5-0 victory for Spain. Of course, that means that Spain goes through to the round of 16. um, And unfortunately, it is a cost for Zambia. It's their very first tournament and they're just getting knocked out with one game to spare. I mean, we saw some phenomenal Spanish football, didn't we, Um, in in that game. It was was an extremely exciting game. Um, Megan, I want to start with you just to pull out the most exciting bits and then Beth will
2: talk about that VAR controversy as well. I was gonna say the VAR stuff was probably the most exciting, but that was thrilling. Um I mean the whole the whole display from from Spain was was quite exciting. Um from an American standpoint, it's also very terrifying because it's sort of, you know, it's a it's a team that we're realistically we're gonna have to compete against, but they have shown so much on the pitch that is really, really impressive. I don't think many people really thought of them as this sort of Cohesive threat, particularly with all the off pitch stuff going on behind the scenes and, and in front of the scenes. Obviously, before the tournament started, so it's been really great to see it all happen. Putellas obviously coming in and helping out with that second goal was was, was great. That first that first goal was fantastic. I thought the way she hit it was was amazing. If anyone hasn't gone to go see it, I, I highly suggest watching the highlights of that game. But just the way that they uh, the way that Spain refused to relent against Zambia who were like at times actually looking like quite threatening on the on the counter. Um, Barbara Brand's speed and pace at times was, I mean, just sort of shocking at how fast she really is. But uh, like, you know, just the, their slick passing, the way that they were so calm on the ball. They never really lost any sort of like momentum or anything. And, and even towards the end, they were constantly trying to go for it and trying to get more goals. And, you know, that's the kind of ruthless, merciless edge that you need in a tournament like this. And them getting... Five goals there, three goals previously. That's only going to build their confidence. So I, I don't think that there's any one goal that I was particularly like that is the standout goal of the entire game because all of them sort of added onto each other, and it just sort of made Spain seem like an even more ferocious opponent that I genuinely think could go far into this tournament. Um, which, yeah, as I said, as an American, is um, quite daunting. Are you saying that as an American, you're not scared of England? Spain's on our side. We got to play them first before we go go upwards, sir. So. I'm saying nothing about England at all as an American.
1: No, I'm just kidding. Um, They are scary to watch. Um, That rocket, like Megan said, please go and watch. If you're going to watch anything, watch that goal because it was absolutely insane. We need to talk about the VAR. Um, It was the fourth goal that caused absolute carnage um, in the stadium for fans, for players, for the coaches, absolutely anybody and everybody. Um, Beth, do you want to talk us through it? Because... I mean, everybody, everybody in our group chat just went absolutely nuts, didn't? know. they were like, "What on
0: earth is going on?" Um, it, it was crazy. Yeah, it was. It's sort of the first sort of real um sort of VAR issue we've we've had to really contend with so far. I think up until now, VAR has been used pretty well. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a little bit different this tournament, isn't it? It's being trialed by FIFA for the referees to announce their decision on the field as opposed to you know, simply gesturing. And um, I've got to say, I'm I'm slightly confused by it. I think if they were gonna if they were gonna explain their decision, you know, as as we hear sort of in rugby and and you know they talk you through, I, I get that. But also, I think there's no really need for them to say penalty when they put it into a spot. But anyway, that's just my that's just my opinion on it. I think they can clearly communicate it without saying it. But I I do quite enjoy sort of the campness of the sort of Davina McCall Big Brother style announcement of uh, of decisions. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so in, in the in the Spain game, um, Jennifer Hermoso had the ball in the back of the net, flag was swiftly raised for offside. Um, there was a lengthy BAR check at the end of which the referee came to announce the decision um, and seemed to say no goal. I think what she was obviously trying to say was no offside. And she very quickly said that and then said goal. But I think the sort of the way that she, she said it, obviously I did feel for her. She looked incredibly flustered in the in the situation and, and that, you know, it can't be easy to have to explain your decision to, you know, 40,000 people in a, in a packed out stadium, but yeah, it, it, it caused a little bit of chaos. I think, you know, Jennifer Mosso and her teammates looked very confused and slightly bemused before they eventually sort of wheeled away and, and celebrated. And um, there was a similar VAR decision sort of a few minutes later and that was thankfully went far smoother, but yeah, it's, um you know, it wouldn't be a major tournament, would it, without a bit of VAR drama and it, it, it did, um, it did uh, keep everyone on their toes and, and spice up the morning a little bit. Um but yeah, it was um it was a, a, a bit of a contentious moment. But I think just to echo what, what Meg said about Spain, I think, you know, they, they're a real threat. And yeah, you know, we all know the quality that they have. That's no secret. But I think, you know, coming into this tournament, that was always with the caveat of there's been so much that's gone on behind the scenes, so much discord in the dressing room. How would that translate on the pitch? Maybe they won't have those those connections and, and that fluency that, that they need. But Actually I think Spain have looked like the most sort of fluid connected harmonious team at the tournament on the pitch Certainly, they certainly look like they've sort of they're clicking into gear more than the likes of England, more than the likes of Australia more even than, than the USA sorry Meg. So um, you, you know I think that they are going to be a really dangerous proposition for for anyone. Um, and yeah, it remains to be seeing how they fare up against sort of a really, really top side. So I'm excited to see how they progress in this tournament. And hopefully there won't be too much VAR drama along the way. I was just going to say, I'm hoping for
1: not too much drama on Friday as well. So who knows if that could just completely swing us off our stride if we do get into a stride. Um, thank you so much for everybody. That was a hell of a lot to get through in half an hour. Um, so Megan and Bess are both going for 2-1 well best going for a 2-1 victory for england meg's not decided yet which way it's going um i'm going for two all england face denmark on friday morning at nine thirty, the uk time um and we will be back for a debrief following that match um but thank you both for joining and thank you to everybody who has watched and you will be able to catch up a little bit later on